0: Um, we are in the last couple of weeks of wrapping up this series that we've just called Crux, and last week while I was out, and thank you all for allowing me the privilege of being out, I got to, to be a part of the girls' chrysalis team, and if you don't know what a chrysalis is, it's a, it's a walk to Emmaus for teens. If you don't know what a walk to Emmaus is, um, well then it's hard to explain, and so, um, but it is uh, it's a three day weekend focused on just just gra- drawing tighter to God. It's not a camp it's different and it's special and I got to be on the clergy team for that and it was amazing as well as my wife did but she got somebody had to come and sneak away. I was preaching there at the same time that she was preaching here and uh, babe everybody's told me you know that I've I really got to watch out that my 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 job is like up for grabs here and so but uh the the thing is is that I, i know that she doesn't want it and so i don't feel too concerned so she doesn't really want it. So anyways, but last week she did a good job and uh, covered as we were walking through um, this first part of Romans, um, covering Romans chapter 6, and we're now in Romans chapter 7, and we've, this is just kind of blasting through Romans. Romans is a deep, meaty, wonderful book of the Bible, and we cannot remotely hit all of it. Um, when t- taking a chapter at a week, so what we're wanting to do is to get the highlight We want to get the big meaty chunks out of this as we go through and that's been our heart as we have looked at This and we keep coming back to this concept So if you have your U version app open or you have your little uh, handy bulletin We gave you on the way in then you can follow along in the notes and we keep coming back to this Concept that when it comes to our life in God that the crux of the matter Is that it all hinges on Jesus. You say of course it does. We're Christians. Should. It should be a a given. But it's amazing how our life in God can drift. So quickly. And become about something other than. Just who Jesus is. And letting that be fully expressed to us. And through us. Jesus isn't just this wonderful introduction and kind of this gateway into this thing called relationship with God, and then we move on to some other deeper things. Jesus is the deeper thing. The more you want to understand the, the, our relationship with God the Father, the more you can, that is revealed in who Jesus is and what He's done, and, and that expression. And so we just keep coming back to that. We have to remember what this is. What this is really about. And that's why we want. to to get back to the crux. We want to get back to what what this really is about because if it becomes about something else, we will miss the point terribly, terribly. About a month ago, we heard, if we just quieted ourselves just for a second, you heard kind of reverberating around the nation this incredible cry, this primal cry of freedom as high school graduates cross the stage. Around the nation. As they had been saddled with some sort of education process, and they got that diploma and they were done, and there was this amazing freedom, and the the structures and and all of the the, the rigid stuff of regular school was was lifted, and they just they just felt the weight of it gone. And then you have the thing of now what? What's next? Well, most people assume, okay, that, well, there's some sort of next sort of education, some sort of college. Well, here's the problem with going to college. They don't make you go. They don't make you go to class. They don't say, hey, remember, this is due. They don't, none of that stuff. You have to go and get it. And so all as I'm raising our children, we're raising our seven children. I'm getting better at this. Then I tell my children all the time. You know, early on I'd say, you know, what what's the, what are you supposed to learn in school? I'm supposed to learn English, and I'm supposed to learn math, and I'm supposed to learn history. And I'm like, no. No, you're not. Well, Dad, what am I supposed to learn? You're supposed to learn how to learn. That is what you're in school for. You're in school to learn how to learn. Why? Because learning doesn't stop when you get a diploma. If it does, your life goes on pause. And you found at your high school reunion the person that quit learning the last day of high school. They still wear their Letterman jacket. They still relive those glory days. They still have the same haircut and a few of the same pairs of pants. And... Uh, they just stop. You just stop there. It just quits. And so your whole thing is to learn how to learn. And history's a great thing to go through and to learn how to learn. And, and, and taking math deeper and deeper is a great thing to learn, becomes a, a foundation for learning. And obviously, reading and English and all those pieces are necessary. But if you don't begin to have a desire to learn and to sit, then all of this structure was for nothing it was for nothing and man i tell you what I was I was just grossly confronted with it when I moved here to go to ASU move into the high-rise that I don't, they don't even use anymore living on the 10th floor the penthouse suite woo, on the top and I moved up there and had my roommate and then the guys on the other side of the bathroom that was shared that there was had on the other hall they were called our suite mates which was just kind of weird and so, so we had our, those two guys, and then I had my next-door neighbors that I shared a wall with. So we would all hang out and do different, different stuff, and, and so all through that first semester, the exciting first semester, freshman year of college, six of us, Christmas break comes. Go home, back for Christmas break, come back to school. Out of the six of us, I was the only one that came back only one that came back everybody else weren't invited back anymore they did not learn how to learn their grades were terrible they flunked out of college in the first semester you know and i i kind of understood it you know the 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 one guy that was my roommate he had he had steve miller bands space cowboy on repeat and then that whoop whoop. I mean, over and over and over again. And apparently, he he really was a joker and a midnight toker. I mean, <laughs> uh, apparently that's that's really what he was. And so he did not come back. He was invited to to find education elsewhere. But if we miss if we miss what the heart of it is that there's that we're being groomed and that what this is really about. It is it's referred to as an education system. And educating is just learning, that at some point we ought, to, we ought to learn how to learn and be able to get out. The bulk of the stuff that, I, that I've learned in my life has all been after all of regular education. Man, I tell you what, some people I enjoy hanging out with the most are voracious readers and people who love getting, learning new things and spending time. I tell you what, you want to flatline your life and just shut down all intellectual input. I mean, you'll just stagnate. And so, but that's the whole point of it. Now we've been looking at grace. We've been looking at all of these different things about the, that we are we're free from the law. And Paul has painted in the first six chapters such this thing that there is this strong, strong thing that we're that we're freed from the law. So now he has to address something else that we're about to address in chapter 7. But what I want us to understand and I want us to be reminded of right off the bat is that Jesus, is, Jesus tells us that the greatest commandments are love God and love your neighbor and all of the other law and the prophets are fulfilled in that. So the point the whole time was to point us towards loving God and loving each other. It wasn't to bring this restriction and we could sit there and take everything up to this far. No, it was point us to love. You know what? If you're, if you're sitting there and you're thinking about murdering somebody, coming back to one of the big ten, you're probably not loving them. All of a sudden you've gone so far and now you want to murder and all of a sudden this law comes in and you go, Man, you're lucky. God says not to murder. Because I just take you out right now. It points us back towards love. Why are we not supposed to steal? Because it hurts someone else. Why are we not supposed to bear false witness against our neighbor? Because it hurts them. Why are we not supposed to, to commit adultery? Is God trying to, to rein in your, 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 your sexual enjoyment, and put all these crazy rules on you? No, it's because it hurts. I don't care what society, if, 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 if adultery doesn't matter, nobody cares. It's still, you ask the people who are being cheated on, it hurts. Even if they walked into it and said, you know what, I don't care, we're going to have an open marriage. It still hurts. You talk to any of them who do it, it hurts. Why? Because it hurts. Because we weren't built for that. And so here's all of these different things that God had been trying to point towards love. It's like if you just operate in love, you really don't even need all of this because it'll naturally be fulfilled. But the problem was is we were disconnected from the source of love. We couldn't really do it. And then we get Jesus. And then we get a new life. And now we have love inhabiting us. And so instead of looking to some sort of external thing to try to corral us and point it towards love, now we can forget about that and live out of the source of love that we have been born into. Does then all of a sudden say, well, because now I'm alive in Christ, well, then now adultery's fine? No, it still hurts people. And love should say, I, I now want that less than ever. I've said, now I can steal what I want to because I'm under grace. No! You'd never think of hurting someone by taking something that was theirs. You'd never hurt someone by, by falsely accusing them or lying about them. You wouldn't do any of those things. And, and love towards God, all of these other things... Uh, the the first of the commandments, they begin to naturally flow. No, we don't want to have another God before him. He, he, he sent his son to die for me. Of course, I have him and him alone. Love fixes all of it. So then we get to chapter seven. And it's like, and it opens up with us. So is is the law sin? Is the law bad? We're so free from the law, he built it, built this case so strong they're like, okay, well, the, the law must have just been bad then. And we're going to look at verse at, at chapter seven, and it's just not the case. Let's go ahead and look at verse four. It says, "So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might become to an, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order." that we might bear fruit to God. And let's just pause right there. Later on, Paul spends some time in Galatians talking about what this fruit to God looks like. And we refer to it in our Christianese as what Paul calls it, the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is, some of you know it by heart, love. Joy, peace, patience. But there's a lot of people out there, a lot of smart theological people that really believe that to properly break down that scripture, it's that the fruit of the Spirit is love, one fruit, expressed in joy, expressed in peace, expressed in all of these different things. And whether you break it down as nine or you break it down as one with eight expressions, it's still all the same thing. The first, first fruit on that thing, is love is love so as we're going to bear fruit to God what's it going to look like it's going to look like love that is where he wants us to go in this legalistic rigid how far can I push it before I have fallen off the edge mentality which is what law is always all of a sudden gets completely fixed By love. To bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound to what Once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we may serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. We now have, it's the same thing, anybody remember the good old Karate Kid? Celebrated a big anniversary recently. Beginning of the movie, Karate Kid is sitting there and he's been bullied. He feels like he needs to do something about it and he pulls out a manual. Good old karate manual. And he's looking at the forms and he's trying to teach himself the martial art of karate. By looking at some sort of forms and rules and regulations and some sort of thing. And then that gets put aside. You never see him one time sit there and go, "Um, Mr. Miyagi, I know you said that, but um, my little karate book. Um, it needs to, we, need, we need to do it that way. No, he now has, has a master who is teaching him and training him in a personal way. We are now able to engage with God in the new way of the Spirit. And guess what? The Spirit doesn't ever violate. He doesn't ever come in and contradict the written Word of God. It doesn't come in and, and work against it. The Spirit always works in coordination with that. But our sensei in this Christian thing, our master in this, is God is the Holy Spirit. And that's where our first and foremost should be. This is not in the way, in the old way of the written code. See, the truth is, is you can't make people be loving by making rules. We can in my house. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I can't make my children be loving towards each other by rules in my home. I can limit and punish some of their negative activity, but I can't make them be loving. And man, I tell you what, there's just nothing sweeter as a parent than when I get to just sit back and watch it take place. And as one of my children begins to just lovingly care for and express love towards one of my other children. I can take zero credit for that. Because I can't make them do it. I can't go, yeah, yeah, look at that. The rules are working. Look how loving they are. No. I can maybe say they're still all alive. The rules are working. (laughs) I I can say that. But love? Nope. Nope. That is something that comes internal. When uh, our seventh child, um, Preslin, who's just a lean Clark, Clark babies are fat. We have fat, chunky babies. I mean, rolls, no necks, a whole bit. And so, and then they grow out of it. And then we had Preslin, and Preslin, it just never chubbed up. We're like, what is the problem with this child? And so this child needs to get chunky. And it's, it just did not, she just didn't get fat. And so we're sitting there and we tried different formulas and tried different things and, and the doctor's looking at her and she's just not gaining enough weight. She's just not getting enough weight. So, so we're finally like, well, we're just gonna need to do, we're gonna need to do a swallow study. Now I'm telling you man she she, she drinks we do all this she she does this and so we go and we do this big swallow study thing which is just absolutely amazing as you get to watch the this this the insides real time it is just in, it is so cool. So she they put this little nasty barium stuff inside her her bottle and we have to hold her and hold her in front of the little x-ray machine. I'm holding her and she's drinking it and we're trying to watch and see the whole thing come in her mouth, go down to her throat, and the whole thing. And so we're she's just apparently barium's nasty. I've never tried it. So uh, I've never seen a barium flavored popsicle, so it's probably bad. And so uh but they uh so they have it there and she's just Finally drinking. And on the outside, we're like, yes, yes, all right. So let's focus in over here on the little machine. And man, she has the, she has the bottle in her mouth, and she's just, she just going to town, going to town. And then we look on the machine, and there's nothing. We're like, there is no fluid. There's nothing going down her throat at all. And then we look at her mouth. And that little sneaker, she took that nipple, and she bent it over her gums with her tongue. And pinch that thing closed, and she wasn't getting anything, and just sitting there going <laughs> and just pull on with a, just just on the outside look like she was doing everything exactly right, that her insides should have been being nourished and taken care of, and all of that, and that the outside looked exactly right. Folks, this is why we need this system. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. It's because you and I are really good at playing church. And we're really good at faking it, and we're really putting it on, good at putting on our spiritual spanks and shoving all the stuff we don't like into a better spot that nobody else can see and have our get everything smoothed out and feel a little bit better about the way we present ourselves spiritually. And look pretty good on the outside. When on the inside, nothing has happened at all. So here's this beautiful thing about this new way of the spirit. Is it starts on the inside. It starts on the inside. And listen, let's not get all wrapped up in all this external stuff. And let's focus on where it counts. And then when it begins to show up on the outside, something's really rocking and rolling there. It's life changing. So let's go ahead and let's. cruise along our life in Christ should throw throw what I should have my glasses on Um, I have not preached with my glasses yet and apparently I need to I have avoided it and avoided it and avoided it Um, but our our life in Christ should show through our loving God and loving others and this is called bearing fruit for God. In Ephesians 2, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Just a little pause. Remember, we're created in Christ Jesus. We're already in Christ. So this isn't about finding our way into Christ. This is we're born into him. We're alive in him. And then we do the good works. We don't do works to earn it. We do works because of it. And, so, uh, and then John 13 it says, A new commandment I give you. Love one another. That don't sound like a new commandment. Jesus, you're taking taking credit for something that's already been said a lot of times. Let's keep going. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. The previous commandment that he's given the new commandment for was we were told to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's a challenge all by itself. All by itself. But here's the thing. is All of a sudden, that's a moving target. Because some of us don't like ourselves very much. So then we can kind of be cruddy to everybody. And you're like, you know what? You think I'm a jerk? Yeah, I'm a jerk to me too. Get over it. I don't like you. I don't like me. Let's move on. I've met what God says. I love you just as much as I love me. And so Jesus took this out and he raised the standard. He changed it. And he says, as I have loved you. So you must love one another. All of a sudden the standard of love isn't love your neighbor as you love yourself anymore. That's not applicable to you and I. It's for us to love as Christ loved. You know the only way you and I can do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do that on our own. We can't. But through him we can. It says by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, living in this new way of the Spirit is letting the Holy Spirit guide us into life. Let's go ahead and look at verse 7. It says, what shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Is what God had given to the people of Israel to point them towards love? Remember, love fulfills all of it. Is it sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. He'd have been coveting the whole time. He just wouldn't have known it. It had just been this undiagnosed thing in his life that was eroding him. What is so bad about coveting? What's so bad about it? Why is coveting so bad? Stealing? Sure, I can go steal. I've taken it. You know? Murdering? Yeah, that's bad. But just desperately wanting something that belongs to someone else, why is that just so terrible? Man, I tell you what, it's because what it does is it robs you of all the blessings and the joy of enjoying what God has do- done in your life and doing right now. You're so desperately looking at someone else's life and stuff and wanting it. You're missing the spirit of what the Spirit of God is doing in you right at that moment. It's the worst kind of robbery. It's just theft from you. It's just destroying you. He said, but I wouldn't even known. I wouldn't even known I was destroying my own life this way had the law come, not come in and pointed it out. But sin, seizing the opportunity offered by the command pro- produced in me every kind of coveting. So here I was coveting and I didn't know it. And then the law comes along and points out that I'm coveting. And now I know I shouldn't be coveting. But now, every time I see something that somebody's got, this, now I just go ahead and covet. Because now I'm pushing against this thing and my sin tells me my, this sinful flesh thing is trying to sit there and work against this coveting. So now you say, don't covet. when well, I'm going to covet. And then I was kind of already coveting. So it's just this horrible, horrible cycle of stuff that's taking place. We get down into verse 12. He says, So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin. In order that we might be recognized that we're dead in our trespasses. We had to understand that there was what we trespassed on. We could go, yeah, man, that I don't fit. I don't fit. Oh, man, I need a Savior. I can't fix this. In order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good in me to bring about death. So that through the commandments, sin might become utterly sinful. It's then as I see I'm I'm dealing with this and I'm not supposed to do it and then I try not to do it, I recognize how insidious it really is. As I try to live up to it, as I try to live to the law, I realize how insidious this sin really is. It just became utterly sinful and I recognize I need a Savior. I need Him. See, we don't have the power on our own to live the life that we were made to live. When humanity stepped out and we have the knowledge of good and evil, we will choose evil a ton of times. Over and over. We don't have the power to live solely in the good on our own. We must rely on God's life in us to live it. And folks, this is the trusting Him more part of this. And we know God better and we trust Him more and we allow His life to bring life to us and here we get into like the big tongue twister of the Bible okay so you're just gonna have to follow me on this because here's here's Paul being just raw and honest we this is our awesome Paul and he's just this is just one of his just big confessions right here and he says I do not understand what I do how many of us at the end of the day look back at our day and go oh, why did I why did I make some of those decisions what, what am i what's happening here I don't understand what I do for what I want to do I do not do but what I hate I do and if i do what I do not want to do I agree that the law is good why because the law comes in and tries to help me not to do it so I'm sitting there and I can't get it quite done so having an awareness that I don't need to do it The law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it's sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful or carnal or fleshly nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, But it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil its right there. Remember, as long as we're on this planet, we have the knowledge of good and evil. That didn't all of a sudden go away. Evil is still an option. It's still there. That's why we still can, can just gravitate right back into it. Evil's right there. It's not like I'm, I can't choose that anymore. I can still choose it. For my inner being, my spirit that's been regenerated, I delight in God's law. I delight in, in doing those things that point towards love. But I see another law at work in me waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And it says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me? From this body that is subject to death. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself and my mind am a slave to God's law. But in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. And then he in Philippians 2.13 he tells us this. He says, <clears throat> Paul tells us that it is God who works in you. Both to will and to do or to act according to fulfill his good purpose or his good pleasure. It's him. It's him. That's why this thing in Christ cannot be a do-over. Paul says all of him trying to deal with all the do's, it doesn't. It doesn't work. Him trying to sit there and saying that, that raising your hand or or doing this thing or crying out to God, God, I'll try I'll do better next time. This is not that. It is not a do-over. It is not a chance to try to do better. It is an opportunity to be completely made new from the inside out. And Paul understood that on the inside he was fully alive and he was still dealing with some stuff in the carnal. So you know what he said? He said, you know what? I'm going to sit here and in my mind I am a slave. I'm sitting here and I'm going to allow God and his direction and his truth to guide me. I'm gonna allow him on the inside of me and I'm gonna let him deal with this other stuff that frustrates me. And is that a place of tension? Yes. Yes it is. But that's what growing in Christ. We come and we rest in the truth that we're 100% right with him. We recognize that our, all of us, all of our actions, all our stuff still don't match up to who Jesus is, but we are being transformed every time we let him work in our lives to become more and more and more like him. And with this, we have to be incredibly patient with ourselves and incredibly patient with others. Incredibly patient with others. As we let him work both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Folks, he has been working in our lives and pointing us towards love. So guess what? If we're going to err, what are we going to err on the side of? We're going to err on the side of love. We're going to sit here, and as we move this out, we're going to lean towards love. We're going to sit, if we let go of the will towards love every time. Why? Because we're able to genuinely walk in a place of loving God and loving others, all the other stuff gets dealt with. It just really, really does. i want to create a moment here. I'm going to create an opportunity for you to, on this Independence Weekend, for you to declare your dependence, your dependence on God, that you can't do this thing of living perfectly on your own, but you recognize that Jesus did it, and that with him alive in us, we become transformed, and he begins to reshape us into his image. If you're here this morning and you're like, Brandon, I believe that Jesus is the only answer. I believe that Jesus is the only answer here. That he's 100% done it. I don't want a do-over. I'm ready for a be-over. I'm ready for new life. And if that's you, why don't you just raise your hand and we're going to pray with you. Awesome. Wonderful. Wonderful. Believers, I just ask you to lift your voice with these and say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love, that you love me so much, you meet me right where I am. I thank you for Jesus, that he paid it all, and that because of him, I'm alive in you. I believe that today. It's all been paid by Him. And today I am your child. Thank you for living in me and changing me from the inside out. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes. Woo.